Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Hello and welcome to a new episode of New Books in Islamic Studies. I'm your host, Sher Ali Tareen. For each new episode, we choose an important new book in the field of Islamic Studies and we chat with its author. Armando Salvatore's formidable new book, Sociology of Islam, Knowledge, Power, Civility, is a dense yet delightful meditation on the concept of the sociology of Islam. Building on the work of the towering Marshall Hodson, this book combines intellectual, social, and institutional history with remarkable nimbleness. Among the signature contributions of this book is the theorization of Islamic conceptualizations and articulations of civility in a manner that helped provincialize Eurocentric understandings of this concept. Salvatore also traces ways in which pre-modern Islamic articulations of civility transformed in the conditions of colonial modernity. Sure to spark debate, this book will also enliven upper-level undergraduate and graduate seminars in the study of religion and Islam. Here now is my conversation with Professor Armando Salvatore. Hello, Armando. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you so much, Shiradi. Uh, well, Armando, pleasure reading this book and learning uh, from your work. And thank you for all the great work that you've done uh, in the last couple of decades or so. Armando, we have a tradition of new books in Islamic studies uh, that our first question is biographical. Uh, could yeah. you share with our listeners, how did you become a scholar of Islam and Muslim societies? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is um, something that uh, requires very little explanation in principle <laughs> because I uh, I come from the south of Italy and um I mean, we are considered by our fellow Northern Italians as being Middle Eastern, basically. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm interested in uh, something that is uh, part of some kind of shared Mediterranean heritage, and uh, I became interested uh, um, in uh, this um, type of uh, Islamic heritage also through the events um, of the mid-late 70s. This is what, when I was a teenager, and then I was uh, uh, looking with... Um, uh, attention and even passion uh, at what was happening in Egypt, in Iran, I mean, with the uh, revolution there, and also following what the um, 
Italian progressive intellectuals at the time said about that, and then they were struggling to find the right way to interpret what was going on and a revolution in Islamic terms, and then what about you know the um, the stability of the Middle East? You know, it's completely opposite concerns were intersecting each other. You know, one which was. Uh, uh, centered on uh, our interests as West, you know, and then the stabilization of the Middle East and so on and so forth, and then the old crisis and the question of uh, of our welfare. And on the other hand, the, the much more universalistic idea of, uh, of of social and political change. And then I was also reading as a, as a, as a, as a teenager the um, uh, articles of Foucault on the Italian newspapers, uh, Corriere della Sera, in 1978 and uh, 1979, it was sent to, to, to Tehran I mean, to cover what was going on. And uh, uh, that was really impressive because, as, as, as we know, he used some categories like uh, the spirit of the revolution has moved east from the west. So this was basically uh, uh, home ground for me. I didn't need to some kind of uh, exotic uh, projection, I mean, to get interested uh, in Islam. Just at some point, I was so... Uh, overwhelmed by all these things that when I had to decide what to study at the university and uh, I, I wanted to say something which was related to to the uh, non-Europe, non-West, but uh, I was almost tempted to forget about all this and uh, start studying Japanese, you know, <laughs> but then I, I decided to focus on, uh, on, on uh, Islamic and Middle East studies and to study Arabic instead. So, Armando, I was wondering uh, if you could uh, briefly state for our listeners what is the main argument uh, that you try to make in this book. See, yes, I mean, I, I think that there is um, maybe one major concern more than argument because this is a kind of introductory to the force, um, and uh, so that there are several arguments. Maybe there is one central concern, which of course is um, unfolding through several arguments, and the central concern is that. When we, we study Islam, which means also you know, the other dimensions like the Islamic hate civilization or civility or Islamdom, to use the um, famous um, uh, word coined by, by Marshall Hodgson, that we, we are not studying something that needs to be interpreted by squeezing it into the category of, uh, um, of mainstream uh, Western-centered uh, social science and social theory. We are studying something that actually should teach us <laughs> about how to build up categories. And, and so Islam is not just uh, Islam as an object. Islam is a, as a strong heuristic function. I mean, it should be an object of research which at the same time becomes central to the concerns of, uh, of scholarship uh, in the humanities and social sciences and sociology in particular has a task there because uh, sociology is probably the main, main provider of, of, of concepts and categories, also to the other social sciences and, uh, and humanities, including history. One of the major concepts in this book, which also forms the title of this book, is the sociology of Islam. You spend a lot of time really meditating rather profoundly on this concept and this idea and the genealogy of this concept. So could you give us some highlights? I know this will require sort of really distilling a very extensive conversation in your book. But could you give us a sense of how you approach this category, the sociology of Islam, in this work? Yes, it's something that I um, already uh, just uh, tried to, um, to justify. I mean, the fact that there is a shift, basically, uh, in terms of centrality uh, from, from the West towards 
this uh, absolutely major and central civilization of, uh, of what the West has constructed as, as the West, as the Orient, which is Islam. So the, this is the main way I'm approaching uh, the term sociolo- sociology of Islam. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, there is also the need, uh, and this is also something that I tried to do at the beginning, the, in, the, in the preface and the introduction, to, to make a history, brief history of, uh, of this label, of this uh, field. And uh, it's not by chance that I'm, I'm emphasizing some uh, dimensions uh, of the history of the sociology of Islam rather than others, because there is a, an entire French tradition of the sociology of Islam that I'm really bracketing out, and then I'm accountable for that. Of course, uh, one always needs to be selected, and I'm emphasizing uh, another um, trajectory which actually uh, brings us um, back to one known French founder of the sociology was Max Weber. Mm-hmm. And, and this and this particular trajectory unfolds through the work, especially of Brian Turner and Georg Staud, uh, which they started, I mean, in the 70s. I mean, the first author is, is more, is better known than the other, but they also worked together. And one of their major uh, joint work was, uh, was a book on Nietzsche called Nietzsche's Dance, which is actually, in spite of the title, which very much focuses on Nietzsche, also a way to understand what were the origins uh, of, of uh, Central European social theory and, and social sciences and the influence of Nietzsche had on Weber. And uh, this is extremely important because uh, it really focuses on the, more on the, on the kind of pain uh, that uh, is at the center of the production of all those categories that once they are kind of shaped, you know, they uh, reach us in a, in a very uh, kind of uh, uh, sterile form, for example, the category of charisma, but also uh, other Bavarian ideas like uh, patrimonialism, you know, and, 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 and there is a palpitating suffering of, of Central Europe in a very specific age, which, which is the beginning of the 20th century with all the, its turbulences, the world wars and what happened. Uh, with Europe at the, as the epicenter of this global drama. So basically, the the approach to, to the idea of the sociology of Islam is through this uh, very um, turbulent uh, uh, laboratory of production of ideas and categories. And uh, and, and 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 this uh, um, operationalization of those categories and um, and the shift of attention towards Islam as a potential object of this uh, um, for the um, uh, employment of these categories happens not by chance when Islam takes the center scene of this 20th century drama in the 1970s with the so-called resurgence of Islam and then the associated events of the early crisis. So it really gets into the uh, it uh, reaches the central stage of the attention of the West. So there is a, there is a 20th century drama that justifies uh, approaching the sociology of Islam as a one, one extremely central branch of the, of the social science in, in general, and not just as a, as a way to apply uh, established categories of the sociology of religion or the sociology of culture or political sociology to Islam and Islamic civilizations and Muslim majority societies, because there is this kind of uh, uh, flattening out of this idea of the sociology of Islam nowadays. There is the risk that we trivialize this idea in this field, they would just consider the sociology of Islam as a as a potentially non-orientalist study of Muslim-majority societies, but this is not what the sociology of Islam has been throughout the 20th century. Now, one scholar who really haunts the pages of this book and that you discuss uh, repeatedly in the context of this book, and you clearly are indebted 
to his scholarship is, of course, the great uh, Marshall Hodgson. Armando, could you reflect a bit on how this book builds on, but also perhaps differs from uh, the work and the legacy of Marshall Hodgson in this regard? Uh, Marshall Hodgson uh, is, according to uh, to one leading scholar I just mentioned, the sociologist Brian Turner, I mean, the, the real pioneer of the sociology of Islam, in spite of being himself an historian. As we all know, he passed away prematurely, and he had some kind of parallel biography, even with uh, Bernard Lewis. I mean, and he passed away. I think Bernard Lewis, if I'm correct, is still alive, and um, they both got interested as young scholars in, in the same team setting both studied the Ashishi, the assassins, this Ismaili sect, and they had also similar categories. Um, but Marshall Huston was the one who got interested in, it's in uh, some kind of sociological classics like Weber. He was also influenced by Idior Shields, one major sociologist of his time, and, and he was the head of the um, uh, comedian social thought uh, in the University of Chicago. Social thought is a kind of... Uh, social science that is nourished also by very kind of what I call also this very suffered um, sociological category. It was influenced, I mean, one of the, among the political theorists who were part of this very important circle, which was also a graduate school in Chicago where people like Hannah Arendt, Mark Lilla, and others, and a lot of other authors as well. I mean, um, Saul Bellow, T.C. Eliot. So there is a, a very dense intellectual field uh, kind of gravitating around Marshall Hodgson uh, that uh, makes uh, his work uh, almost by default uh, sociologically interesting. And, and, and then there has been a revival in recent years um, uh, of attention towards Hodgson. Um, for example, a very influential article by Bruce Lawrence in the uh, Los Angeles Re- uh, Review of uh, Books uh, two or three years ago, and by side Amir Arjomand in the Encyclopedia Ivanica, and also panels at professional associations meetings like uh, Mesa and Walkmas uh, dedicated to Hodgson. And um, uh, the difference is that, uh, as in the very early criticism of Brian Turner towards Marshall Hodgson, when in the mid-70s a group of, uh, at the time, young scholars, including Turner, Talal Assad, Roger Owen, and, and, and Sami Zubad and others were just taking almost one, uh, one-on-one, uh, where they were taking on um, uh, um, Orientalist scholars, I mean, like, uh, um, like Albert Urani um, or Eli Kheduri and uh, Gustav von Grunenbaum, Bernard Lewis, and Marshall Hodgson was the one that uh, the young Brian Turner had to deconstruct. It was 1975, but he, he was pointing out exactly what you said, there is something intrinsically sociological in what Hodgson did, but yet uh, he was um, still dichotomizing this, the, you know, the inner faith and the inner belief uh, on one hand that the um, called conscience is also part of the title, subtitle Adventure of Islam, and on the other hand, you know, the, the, the religion which is like the routinized, the externalized part of, uh, you know, of uh, what we see or what we experience. Well, what uh, what is habitualized and what socializes people into into practice, and this is this kind of dichotomization which has been widely criticized after him, uh, also by anthropologists, and this is something that of course we we uh, we need to redress in order to make his heritage uh, actual and usable in the in the present in the present context. Now, another category which is very central to your book is that of civility, and one of the most interesting and convincing things that you do in this book is that you present Islamic articulations of civility 
from the pre-modern and the modern period to really undermine and provincialize Eurocentric understandings of this concept. I was wondering if you could speak a bit to this theme in your book of how you uh, uh, discuss Islamic articulations of civility as a way of provincializing Eurocentric uh, understandings and uh, ways of imagining uh, this concept of civility. Yes, in this case, of course, the major author was um, evoked um, from this uh, Central European drama of, of building up sociologists uh, in the 20th century, uh, Norbert uh, Elias, or Elias, if we pronounce it in English, um, who was the um, author of an extremely uh, influential um, set of... Uh, Works centered centered around uh, court culture and the civilizing process uh, from uh, the top down. I mean, this has been uh, um, the idea that also uh, unsettled some easy paradigms about say formation as a um, political science oriented paradigm of uh, state formation, and that really showed how the I mean the. Uh, it's kind of uh, the making of the disciplined uh, self from the inside out. Um, um, was was really a, a, the, the basis of the process itself of state formation, and and, and, and it was uh, um, centered on the on the on the uh, etiquettes uh, of, of court culture and then the manners um, of court dynamics that that were the initiators of this uh, uh, very wide programs of taming the violence of those who were carrying weapons. It was uh, the European nobility. Um, so that is a, this is really the one of probably the major theme of the entire drama of the 20th century: how to to tame violence and civilize people, and and make people make citizens out of human beings who might just uh, want to kill each other. So which is also a very major theme of political philosophy. And, but this really is uh, becoming uh, a very sociological theme. So it's not just political philosophy. And, and what is what is interesting from the point of view of, uh, of the Islamic trajectories, starting also with the how court cultures interfaced with other realm of knowledge production, uh, including Sufism, and it is exactly that the, this process is not um, a top-down process. It's uh, there are different. Uh, and, and, and crisscrossing uh, types of influence from the top and from the bottom. You know that the the, the, the making of the uh, virtues and civilized self um, also um, can also start from the bottom. And the, uh, the way the Adab tradition, the tradition of Adab, was not just uh, an exclusive preserve of the elites of the court administrators and literati, but became also uh, central uh, to uh, to the Sufi own program of uh, of education of different social layers. I mean, traders and, and, and artisans and other uh, all, all sectors of the population, and just in urban settings. So, it's a civility does not just um, come from the top; it also produced from the bottom, and uh, and it's also an alternative to, in a way, to lawfulness and legality, and in a way that it wasn't really in the European case, because then, the, of course, the Westphalian state hijacked this process of, of, of civilization, of building uh, the self from, uh, from the inside out, whereas in the Islamic case, there was a, um, a more successful harmonization between the, the, the legal tools, I mean, for, for, for discipline the subjects, and then and these um, kind of cultural tools. And so civility is more interesting and complex in an Islamic setting than it is uh, in a European 
um, historical setting. So again, it's way it's a way to um, I mean to enrich our social theory categories. It's a way to make them more complex and also more truly universal. Mando, could you speak a bit about another major theme that uh, occupies much of the later part of this book, which is the transformations that happen in these pre-modern Islamic articulations of civility uh, in the modern colonial context. Uh, could you speak a bit about some of the major transformations that you map and analyze uh, in the latter half of your book? Yes, this is uh, one of the uh, points that uh, have attracted uh, most attention, if I can judge from the conversations I had since the book has been published. And uh, there is also a certain level of uh, undecidedness in my own argument exactly concerning what you said. How exactly do these uh, pre-modern renderings of civility uh, I've just talked about, um, how are they transformed this, uh, in this new context? I mean, <clears throat> well, basically, uh, based on what I just said, what the what colonial, the colonial modernity was about was precisely the process or a project of uh, uh, civilizing, I mean, the non-European um, uh, populations based on the uh, uh, dictates of this uh, Westphalian form. Um, um, and, and in this case, you know, uh, there is almost the idea that uh, there is a transfer, not just a transfer of ideas, I mean, from European from the European experience onto this uh, colonial uh, scene, but also um, that the colonial uh, societies, the colonized societies, become a laboratory even for um, uh, accentuating these this disciplinary tools. That were already part of the of the state formation in Europe since the at least the 17th century. And in this case, I mean, if we follow this uh, this this kind of uh, narrative, we should assume that uh, uh, basically the uh, old main actors, including the elites uh, within Muslim, um, within the Islamic world, were at the mercy of this process. So they were just they were just on the losing side, and they had to bow to this. Uh, much more powerful um, uh, blueprint of, uh, of civility um, and with all the racial and even racist implications of course of this of this type of uh, uh, blueprint <clears throat> now what is interesting that a lot of inherited concepts including other um, they that clearly uh, subject to this kind of this type of pressure and then the book by uh, Timothy Mitchell, colonizing Egypt, uh, was was a, a, absolutely extraordinary in showing precisely this process. So that all these uh, old uh, concepts were were part of the uh, new intellectual machinery, but they were basically 100% functionalized to the new um, to the so-called new order of colonial modernity. Um, and clearly, also since uh, after the publication of this book. This very influential book by Tim Mitchell. There have been some, some, a lot of other works which have uh, contributed to show that actually the situation was much more complex, and that the um, that there was a, as much as in the in the field of legal reform, there was the possibility, for example, to to fill in a kind of a, um, article of a, of a civil code uh, which had um, you know as a heading which was. 100% taken from the from uh, I don't know from the French or the Swiss civil code to fill it with the content which was actually taken from the tradition of jurisprudence. In, in a similar way, there was the possibility, I mean, to to provide uh, content 
from these uh, earlier traditions of civility, even to a blueprint which was characterized by the uh, by the uh, ide uh, civilizing ideas of, uh, of, uh, of the colonial powers. And in this case, you know, uh, even the Adapt tradition was revived, it took on new meanings, it was m maybe even more strongly associated with ideas of justice than it was before, it was already earlier on. Uh, very close to the uh, theorem of the circle of justice, but now and then also the notion of the horia of freedom uh, is uh, is absorbed by this uh, by this new um, type of civility that develops in in the colonial context. Um, of course, I, I actually talk too little about that, about these multiple modes of transformations that uh, that still provide uh, um, space for 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 rewriting this uh, this early civilizing traditions. But ultimately, I have to say. And um, and I'm saying this now because I'm, the book does not go that far, even chronologically. I mean, to say that is that ultimately, uh, since the uh, Westphalian nation-state form prevailed, then all these uh, older um, traditions and time-honored ideas of civility um, within Islamic civilizations were ultimately um, kind of they were like dissipating into into. Uh, into these new uh, political discourses, I mean, even secular versus Islamist. And um, so that, as of today, I think the last word uh, has been probably, uh, and it's, it's not very optimistic as a diagnosis, has been rather the erasure of this older forms of civility. So, Armando, as we're coming to the uh, end of our conversation, uh, could you uh, talk a bit about what you're working on uh, these days, what's uh, keeping you busy? I'm trying to um, pick up uh, precisely this last um, the political dimension of this entire process, which is, um, uh, is there the possibility, I mean, to reconceive also in, in social and political theory terms, the original outcome of what we might well call a civilizing process uh, spanning across different regions of the, of the Islamic world or ecumen. Um, at the juncture between what Hodgson called the later uh, middle periods, which is the correspond, roughly corresponds to the um, late Middle Ages, and the early modernity, and in terms of state formation. So, what were what was the combination of the of the this civility tradition, which had of course a very high status at courts on one end, and then new forms of legitimation. Of the central powers of the early Muslim empires that uh, led to original forms of, uh, of political modernity before the onset of colonialism. This is what I'm interested in right now. The Sociology of Islam, Knowledge, Power, and Civility by Armando Salvatore, published by Wiley uh, Blackwell Press. Uh, thank you so much, Armando, for this very erudite and uh, fascinating book uh, that uh, I think one of the key. Uh, Highlights and markers of this book is that not only is it a, a scholarly book that will uh, spark many conversations, but it will also be a tremendous resource for uh, upper-level undergraduate and graduate seminars. So in some ways, it fulfills both the pedagogical mission and also the mission of raising important conversations on key themes that have to do with the sociology of Islam. So thank you so much for this conversation and for this book and uh, for your time. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Shalom. So this was my conversation with Professor Armando Salvatore on his brilliant new book, The Sociology of Islam. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And I do hope that you will also join us next time for another new episode 
of your favorite podcast, New Books in Islamic Studies. Until then, stay well, take care, and this is your host, Sher Ali Tareen, signing off from New Books in Islamic Studies. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.